Good morning. It is nine o'clock here in California. I am Francis Savignan, the founder and CEO of ePartrade. Welcome to Race Industry Now, the technical and business webinar series of ePartrade, co-produced today with our good friend from Racer Magazine and Racer.com. We're going to have a double feature. So with me this morning is Judy King, the co-founder of ePartrade. Good morning, Judy. Good morning, Francis. Can Jeff? And we have our very special host today, Mr. Jeff Hammond. Good morning, Jeff. Good morning, everyone. And it's 12.02 here on the East Coast. And uh, uh, breathe, Francis. Breathe. I'm the one that was under the gun today. Not you, but me. <laughs> I literally had my charging cord left in Charlotte. And I've been to four stores this morning trying to find my charging, a charging cord for my <laughs> laptop. It's like, What? What kind of country is this? We all need chargers. Where's the cord at? You won't believe this. Old Chip Ganassi's ex-sponsor, Target, they came through today. Good. Good. We're ready Jeff to go. Hammond. Jeff Hammond, huh? we need to congratulate you. Why? On being one of three crew chiefs for the new SRX uh, racing series. So congratulations. Well, thank you very much. And Judy, um, to be a part of that, uh, you know, that group of uh, – Mike Bean and Todd Parrott and uh, Mike Francis, I mean, Mike Christopher, excuse me, it's Ted Christopher's brother. He will be one of the four, you know, one of the other the other guys that'll be uh, up there this weekend at uh, Sanford Springs and uh, really excited about being a part of this organization and, and what the concept is. I mean, it is a throwback to Ray's original beginning uh, in the IROC series. I think he's tried to take what he, what he learned first time around and incorporated into a uh, a little bit more up to date version, but I think the, I've been around the cars. The cars are awesome. They're uh, they've been built by Fury, and they're they're identical. And I think the folks uh, come Saturday night. They should be uh, entertained and you know excited about the fact they're going to get a chance to see some of the guys that that were their champions back in the day. And I'm talking about like Tony Stewart, and Bill Elliott, and Bobby Labonte, for example. How often do you get lucky enough? We lost you, Jeff, for one second. I think there's a little... To have the day of the Indianapolis 500 where L.O. Castro never has been Okay, I think there's a little connection. Oh, you, we lost you for one second, Jeff, but... Uh, I think you're back on. We have you back now. Yes. We have so you con back. Congratulations. This is really exciting. Oh, yeah. And, and uh, I mean, for us, Thank we have... You. Yeah. Sorry, Judy, I interrupted you. Oh, I was just going to say, as I was telling Francisca, I wondered if part of your contract was having to grow your mustache back. <laughs> hey, 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 hey. That, uh, that's, that's doable. But at the same time, I don't think they're going to like the color of shoe polish it's going to take to make it back, back brown like it needed to be. So, uh, <laughs> no, I think we'll just go with what we got. Uh, I am what I am. And if you don't like me, well, then change the channel. Well, we, we like you very much, Jeff. Thank you for being a wonderful host. I'm getting a signal from our producer, Reed Keneski. We are bringing our uh, first panel together, uh, the wonderful people from uh, Giant Finishing and Cone Engineering. And then 
we are going to be on for an hour. And at 10 o'clock, we'll get uh, Paul Fanner and Jeff Swartz from uh, Racer joining us. And we're going to have a special on Inside Pike uh, Speaks with the team uh, organizing the wonderful race. So thank you very much for being with us this morning. I see Jason on, I see Mark, I see Matthew as well. So uh, Jeff Hammond, you're in charge. I'm Lars and in charge. I'm ready to go, guys. Good morning, everybody. Jason, Mark, good to see you guys morning. in person. Uh, we had the privilege of talking yesterday uh, briefly, so uh, it's great to finally put faces with the good names. Morning. Good morning. Well, guys, I'm going to tell you what. I'm just going to make this real, real simple for everybody. We're going to have ourselves a little old, uh, we're going to pretend we're in a local bar, and we're going to BS for about an hour's yep. worth, and I want to hear all about how giant – and Conan Engineering have made ma magic together. I mean, I can see from behind you, Jason, that uh, you've got a lot of uh, uh, parts and pieces up on the wall. And as we were talking the other day, uh, Mark's company giant has been instrumental in helping you, you know, create some of these parts and, and make the end result, which are uh, obviously winners on your wall behind you. Yeah, I think so. I think in our industry, one of the biggest things is uh, when you deliver a part to a customer, you want the fit and finish to be phenomenal. And uh, that's where Mark comes in. He specializes in, in that end finish that, uh, that you see on the parts. And so he's, he's really helped us a lot. So Mark, for those of us that are maybe just trying to get information today, including myself, tell us about Giant. What your company can do for other companies out there if you let them you know we're, we're, we can do it better i mean you don't you can get rid of the polishing wheels and all this other kind of stuff bring it let me bring you my machines in here you do it yourself but you do it with a much more quality machine correct that's correct the main thing is we don't make their parts we just make your parts better okay whether we prep it help you prep it for the next step or the next couple steps whether you need to deburr you need to prep it for uh, plating, anodizing, paint, powder coat. Uh, you wanna do surface finish improvement for uh, life, longevity of the parts, help decrease the uh, heat, the friction. There are lots of things to do. Uh, and it's taking the operators out of it. Let the machine do the work, especially nowadays. Everybody's having a hard time finding employees. Well, these uh, giant, machines can act as employees that show up on time every day sober no complaints you know it's a reliable employee and take your operators and let them be useful someplace else where the machines can't do the work okay also consistency in the parts okay uh the machine's going to do the same thing every time time in and time out versus an operator say you got a new guy guys on second shift they don't do the parts as good as the guys on the first shift or vice versa. It all depends. Um, you can see in behind Jason, he's got some gorgeous parts back there. As a matter of fact, I made a comment at the last PRI show. I was upset with my lab guy. I go, how does Jason's parts look better than ours? He buys our machines, our media, our chemistry, and his parts look better than ours. We, get, we supply him everything, and he did a fantastic job. Basically, we're going to take uh, your parts – and we know what you want to do. We know what your competition's doing. We know what other guys down the street, whatever. And 
we're going to help create a recipe of how to finish your parts. And you're going to take that recipe and you're going to modify it to your best liking. Okay. With production, with your quality control, because in, in probably about six months, you're going to be able to run your parts better than we can because you know exactly the metals, the time cycle, you're going to get it down to science. You're going to keep playing with, well, if you, if I give you a time cycle of an hour, it's going to take an hour. Well, you know, after a while you check your parts after half hour, you're good enough. Well, you just doubled your capacity, you know? Mm -hmm. So Jason, with what Mark is saying right now, what made you settle on, on giant? I mean, cause again, uh, like he said, obviously you, you've got a keen eye for what you're going, what you're trying to get done. But what did you see in the giant product maybe that led you to say, this is, this is the, the right machine for my application? Uh, well, we'd kind of made the connection, I think, through the PRI show initially. Uh, I had met Mark and, and some of his staff that he brings with him there to the show. Um, I liked how they were very eager to welcome us to send sample parts, um, you know, at absolutely no cost to us. They would process parts. Uh, they would show us, you know, in X amount of time, we can make them this much better, you know, possibly more time. We can, we can take them clear to the super finish, uh, surface finish quality. Um, secondly, geographically, Mark and I are only about three hours apart. Uh, I was able to go up to his facility, actually see some of my parts in process. And I think it was just a home run. I saw the way he makes his product, um, 100% American made. You know, I saw his guys there in the Chicago suburbs welding the tubs together for the, for the tumblers and, um, met his father when we were up there that day, you know, and, uh, family business, much like myself and my father. So I think it was just a good relationship. It was a great fit. So Mark, could you, could you enlighten us a little bit about what makes Giant and, and your particular machines and the way you guys, you know, build your machines better? And, and also, you know, we got some people want to already know what's, what's the different methods of finishing that, you know, your products can do. Um, can we get a video on Matthew? All right, uh, Matthew, walk over, start with the bowl. There we go, the GBB4. Okay, uh, what you're looking at right now is a four cubic foot batch bowl. Jason's got a few of these. Um, and if you go ahead, take a look, that one's set up with a wraparound settling tank and the variable frequency drive. Okay, one thing that we've done is throughout the years is, uh, on almost every single one of our machines, we've incorporated a variable frequency drive, okay? Is it absolutely necessary? No, but think of it when you're buying a car today. Don't you have power steerings, power window? I mean, it's just an option that should come with it. I know some of our competitors don't even offer it an option. We kind of made it a standard, raising the bar, trying to promote a better machine. You, as I mentioned, you don't absolutely need it, but- Let me, let me interrupt you right, right quick. Whatever your uh, streaming system you're trying to show us, mm -hmm. at least I don't know if Jason can see it or not, but I can't. It's not I coming cannot. through. No, so I, I want to make sure, our, make sure our, our panelists and everyone like that right there and attendees uh, can see what we talk about. Ah, there we go. There it is, what, exactly what we're looking for. There you go. Perfect. I, I was able to see it. <laughs> okay. Yeah, gotcha. Uh, all right, good deal. Uh, as I was saying, uh, where we leave off? Uh, variable frequency drive, we're, we're just trying to raise the bar. 
make it a better machine. You can crawl underneath the machine, adjust the belt tension. You can, you know, move the motor placement, uh, eccentric weights, things of that nature. But how long is that going to take you versus the touch of a button? You could just raise and lower the RPM by a few RPM and it makes a huge difference. Okay. Right now we're running relatively quickly. Guys, go ahead and slow that down a bit. There we go. So when you got more delicate parts, so now these parts are not banging into each other. Okay. Especially in the racing industry, the gun industry, you know, where when you're making delicate parts, you don't want that impingement. Okay. Uh, this is the reason it, it, it's a more delicate action. Now, the next one we're going to go is probably our bread and butter machine is our W5. It's a tub style machine. And this, you have a different type of action where everything's coming down at you. So when the parts touch, it's going to be more or less of a collision. Now, granted, yes, we can manipulate the action of this machine also with variable frequency drive, but you know, it just depends on the type of part you're going to be running is what's going to fit better. Okay. Um, next, I mean, there are other type methods of finishing of, of styles of machines. We've got blasting equipment. Okay. Slurry blasting equipment. Mm -hmm. Typical barrel. Let's start with the bl blaster. Okay. Here's a slurry blaster. Uh, we started getting into slurry blasting for the simple fact that it's in vibratory finishing. It's like a slurry, but the difference is you've got preformed shapes. What the slurry blaster allows is to get into uh, little nooks and crannies in places where the media will either get lodged or will bridge and won't get into at all. So it allows, uh, you know, to use finer, you can use finer medias. Uh, imagine your standard blast cabinet which is abrasive in air. Now we introduce water to it. So we're making a slurry. Okay. And you can also use this. Well, here, you're showing off a drain that we made, a stainless steel drain that we sometimes use for our chemically accelerated or people are familiar with uh, REM and ASF. Okay. If you're going to set up a machine for that, we use, a lot of times we'll use a stainless steel drain. And that one, we show off, we made it nice and pretty, give it like a platinum finish. Okay, uh, the next machine over is the centrifugal barrel. Okay, this is more or less for smaller parts. Uh, and this can do finished parts in a fraction of the time the vibratory finishing can. Say hypothetically, it'll take you uh, a few hours to finish parts in a vibe and a centrifugal barrel can be done in minutes. What it is, it's a one-to-one -one ratio where the uh, barrel the barrel spins one way and the turret spins another way. Okay. And instead of really dealing with RPM, it's more G force. I mean, it's, it's throwing those parts hard. And that also we do have a variable frequency drive where we can speed it up or slow it down because I mean, you could easily distort parts in here. That's how much force this is used. Hey, Mark, again, uh, Rich would like to know, do you use chemicals or water or both? We use both. As a matter of fact, if you guys are going to walk back over that GB before, uh -huh. okay. Uh, you, you, in most cases, the water and chemistry is used to keep a fresh abrasive surface on the abrasive, on the media, whether it be 
uh, ceramic, porcelain, steel, plastic, synthetic, in the proper chemistry, okay, uh, it depends on what you're trying to do. You pick up a handful of media, you want to see bubbles, just see some suds in there. That way you know that there's uh, plenty of uh, soap in there, just enough to keep it clean. Now, in certain applications, which we'll show you shortly, when you're doing ball burnishing, uh, guys, go over to GBB-12 and show them what uh, ball burnishing looks like. Okay, where you've got a mountain of foam to do it. If you want really pretty parts to do it right, you want foam. Okay, I've always gotten screamed at by, by my father. Ask me if we know what we're doing in the back because there's uh, foam all over the floor, water all over the floor. And he's screaming at me that, you know, the place is a mess. I go, but what do the parts look like? He's like, beautiful. And I just remind him, the customer doesn't care what our shop floor looks like. They care about how pretty those parts are. Right, Jason? Hey, Mark, if I can interject a little bit. And I'm right. sure everybody can see this part that I'm holding in my hand. I'll tell you that <clears throat> my GBB4 would have looked like a foam mountain when, uh, when this part came out of it. We would have had uh, foam, uh, you know, just a head of foam all over the top of the settling tank on the floor and a, and a pretty good, you know, head of foam on top of the media in the, in the tank, uh, the, in the GBB4, so. I'll, I'll definitely attest to the fact that when you're trying to get that high luster finish, you know, you're going to amp up the amount of, of uh, burnishing compound that you're running through the system and, and, and create something that looks exactly like they're showing you there. Okay. And, and guys, just for my knowledge and hopefully it'll educate everybody time wise, if we, if we are, if we're doing, if, if let's just say somebody else is trying to you know do this and they think, well, I, I got somebody here to shop that can polish this and can do this and do that. How much time are you saving and how long would it take? Uh, and are you, are you putting one part in at a time or can you put multiple parts in at a time? So just give us some kind of idea of what we're looking at, what Jason had in his hand, how long does it take to take it from basically a rough piece to a finished piece? I think the first thing that we got to talk about is that not, every part that goes through one of Mark's machines or any tumbler has to come out at that high luster, super finish quality. All right. There's, there's, there's a place for that. So if we're speaking strictly to that, um, if I'm doing a, you know, a, a case hardened steel part, like one of our transmission gears, uh, we would probably run that in the abrasive media for approximately 24 hours. Um, <clears throat> and the amount of parts that you can put in there again, are, are dictated by the size of your machine and the size of your parts, because you don't want the parts crashing into each other. You want them to maintain separation and have plenty of room for the, the media to be crawling all over the parts and, and doing its job. Um, but, but we also, and, and I'm, I'm sure Mark would touch on this, have a secondary operation that we do after we take it out of the abrasive media to get that just high, high luster finish like you would when you're, when you're waxing a vehicle. And uh, we go through a, a, a dry process with, with no liquid and a corn cob media and, and it essentially is just kind of waxing and polishing just to give it that high luster. But, um, you know, there's a lot of general purpose uh, deburring that you can do in these machines where the process would be minutes. Um, and, and in that situation, you can put a lot more parts in there too, because maybe a little bit of a crashing between the parts doesn't matter. So there's, there's a really wide range of use for these, uh, these machines. And so, you know, the time is dictated by the end result you're looking for. 
if you guys can see what uh, Matthew just walked over to the uh, W5 with the MF3V polishing cup. Okay, that's that's the dry process. It's real okay. simple. Set it and forget it. Just and all you need is a base machine. You know, we we put a solid drain plug in there and just let the parts go. And usually, running the parts overnight in a polishing cup gets uh, you know that higher luster. Okay, it, it'll take in uh, standard cob might be good enough, but when we go to the PRI show or shot show or any trade show. I always have the guys running it through that MF3V polishing cop just to get that showroom finish. It'll take, you know, what you call, say you call it a Mercedes Benz or BMW finish, take it up to the Bentley Rolls Royce. Okay. okay. That, that really, that gleam. Um, is it necessary? No, but some people like the bling. It, it, it shiny cells, you know? And that, that's another thing. Like I said, at PRI, Jason's parts look gorgeous, you know? <clears throat> well, so far from what I've seen, it's pretty pretty phenomenal. And again, it's, I guess the other part is, is as you've already alluded to, finding the right kind of person that can even attempt to do this kind of work is you know slim and none so you got a you got a machine right there and you've already touched on the fact that um how many people are you gonna get to stand there and work on something for 24 hours straight it ain't gonna happen i mean it ain't gonna happen where you can afford to do it so i mean it's got huge cost savings plus the fact that you get that those extra hours well if i can interject as far as especially polishing mm -hmm. okay hand polishing it's a dying art the guys out there that are still doing hand polishing, doing a good job, have been dragged out of retirement, kicking and screaming, and they're being paid obnoxiously to do so, and they're still not happy, okay? No one nowadays will sit there in front of a grind, a polishing wheel, okay? Uh, it's really tough. I mean, it's a miserable job, okay? They get dust all over, breathing it, you know, wearing masks. So, it's very attractive when I can show of, Hey, I could get you this lustrous finish in a machine, you know, now that the operator is loading and unloading, whether it be in a vibe, a centrifugal barrel is another uh, prime candidate for really putting a high luster on parts, you know, and we can help you out with that. And the one thing with giant is when we always encourage people to come visit, come send us your sample parts prior to, so we can, you know, set up our lab, beforehand so we know what we're getting ourselves into because we want to show you optimum results when you come in let us play with your parts and figure out dictate to you what's going to be the best method of finishing because you could you know some people have a vibe when they could be using a centrifugal barrel or vice versa or maybe a blast cabinet we do consider ourselves metals finishing experts that we know what we're talking about send us your parts let us figure out the best finishing method you know we're just going to ask you what are you trying to do and we're going to help you achieve that. Because a lot of times people call me up and send, hey, I want a vibe. Well, it's not a, applicable for a vibe. You know, you're better off doing this in a blast cabinet. Maybe, you know, this really isn't a vibe job. It's a washing job. You know, by the changing the media, the uh, type of machine you use, the uh, chemistries, water flow, there's so many variables that you can really 
you know, it, it's, it's like making a, it's like a recipe. We're going to create that recipe and you're just going to modify it to the best of your liking. Okay. Uh, and, and see what works best. And, you know, the end result is, you know, a good part, but you have to have your sales team. You know, I, I tell guys all the time production, Hey, get with your sales staff, take a look. I know what you asked for, but why don't you look at this part here? See if you can sell it. Okay. Cause I could produce you a great part, but if you're not going to sell it, well, it's not going to do you any good. Okay. Well, real quick, uh, Chuck Rerick would like to know through all these processes to do it, does it affect the dimension? How much you know, do you remove material wise? And, you know, and if so, is this part of your calculation when you're, when you, when you're, I guess, initially saying the machine will be able to do this and you and Jason both can probably address this. It can. It depends on the process. There are processes that will not affect tolerances. And then there are processes that will affect the tolerances. For instance, in the chemically accelerated, a lot of times they mask certain areas. Okay. So they don't get affected. Uh, but, you know, it depends on where you, when we get this project, is this already being made and we're improving or is this something that they're designing? So sometimes we work with the engineering team Okay, and uh, when they're writing out a spec, they allow for uh, dimensional changes, you know, what those tolerances are. But that's more the reason to run sample parts, okay, to find out exactly how much tolerance, you know, because if you turn the machine up too high, well, hey, the first time I ran samples, it was at a lower RPM, and I ran it in a vibe and no, no effect of tolerances. But mm -hmm. then, say, hey, I tried this in a centrifugal barrel and turned it up a little bit and I distorted, you know, or it's out, you know, also flatness spec. Okay. A lot of times, you know, we've damaged parts and then there are other times, you know, that's not a consideration you need to take is how deep is that channel? What is that media? What's the cube with the bulk density of the media is it, does it weigh, you know, something like a plastic, which can be 55, 65 pounds of cubic foot, or is it a high density ceramic media at 120, 140 pounds of cubic foot or steel media? Okay, as you saw in that ball burnisher, you know, anywhere from 270 to 400 pounds a cubic foot. Okay, when you get in a deep channel, there's a lot of compressive strength going on and, and getting down on that part, you know, and that could be a pro or a con. If you want to do some stress relief, steel media is another method, you know, that, you know, uh, sometimes can uh, eliminate shot peening, you know, or be used in place of. And you're almost like combining processes. Okay, we've got also got another follow-up question here from uh, Joseph Warr. Uh, could an aluminum motorcycle side cover, say like a clutch cover, be polished this way? Absolutely. Yes. You do that, Jason? Yeah, you would just use different media. I've got some aluminum parts here behind me. Okay. Um, you you really use a non-abrasive media. We, we have a porcelain media round ball shaped uh, media that we use for aluminum. These aren't really polished per se. These, these were more done just for deburring. But um, uh, if, you, if you ran these through the porcelain media and then just a short time in the, in the polishing cob that Mark referenced, you would get an exceptionally high luster finish. Um, I probably. The way your lights were reflecting off of that last piece you <laughs> held up, I thought you had it polished pretty darn good. <laughs> it looked like oh. Mr. Clean. Yeah. yeah. Well, here's a, here's a piece that's actually been 
polished yeah. through the polishing media. So this no, gives you a beautiful. comparison. You know, if you can, if the user or the right um, the person that asked the question can see both. Um, yeah, just you know, straight out I'll tell you what. Yeah. I'll tell you what the response was already, guys. Wow, thanks. I mean, <laughs> so you're, you've got somebody right now on the hook. It sounds like for one of these machines because. Uh, undoubtedly they're not able to get quite that kind of finish you know so i think that's exactly the direction we're trying to go in here as far as educating the, the potential of what you can do and to me i think that goes right back to somebody if, if they weren't doing it in your machine somebody's got to polish it by hand and and i don't think that's going to be a lot of fun correct that's what we've found is just the the diversity of, of what we can do in these machines um and, and we purchased them more for general purpose deburring initially, you know, in, in process machining uh, to just try to take away some of that tedious deburring that the operators would have to do with scrapers or, or that they couldn't do because they couldn't reach around blind corners and, and remove a burr that, that might have been a result of a milling process or something. Um, and, and being able to, to showcase the parts with the high luster finish is really secondary to us. And, and has, has opened avenues that we didn't have before. You know, now we, we have the, uh, you know, the option uh, when we build a transmission for someone to sell or upgrade to super finish of all internal components. So, uh, you know, now that's something that we can do in house. Um, you know, it, it may, uh, it allows us to um, actually charge a little bit more for the product that we're selling, but uh, deliver a better product to the customer as well. So, okay. On, along the same lines, we got Aaron has asked, you know, what is the lowest finish that vibrator, I guess, vibrating finishing can can achieve? Can it reach a one micron inch finish? And what medium would you use to perform something like that at best? More than likely, it's going to be multiple media. It's going to be a multiple step process. Mm -hmm. um, a vibratory can get it. Okay. However, uh, it, centrifugal barrel honestly it's going to depend on the part right okay? uh beauty's in the eye of the beholder i think everyone agrees it's where your starting point is and where you need to end up it's the better job you do machining or making your part the less time you're going to spend in one of our machines finishing and less amount of steps uh sometimes like regarding hand polishing you can't always you know, replace hand, taking some of the heavy uh, lines or burrs off, you might have to hit it with a belt first to get it to a certain starting point of what is going to be realistic in a vibe. Otherwise, you're going to be spend weeks in a machine. Okay. It's not going to get there. Okay. Um, my suggestion is send parts and, and there's different processes. As I mentioned, that chemically accelerated process can get pretty, pretty low. I, and they use it a lot for uh, internals for, you know, ring and pinions, crankshafts, uh, transmissions are popular. Um, it, it all depends on, like I said, where you start and where you need to end up. Send parts. We'll I mean, a, a one micro inch finish is, is just exceptional. What he's asking for too. Um, yeah. You know, that's far beyond what you would, you would ever, even typically spec uh, spec out on on uh, you know mechanical parts at least the, in my world but i can tell you that you know we do post grinding vibratory finishing on some parts uh, where we would grind for size and cylindricity and then we would we would finish in the vibe for uh, 
enhancement of that surface finish. And, uh, you know, I know we can get down five, six micro inch for sure. Just yeah, with, with, one that, step, with that one being media. said, guys, uh, and Mark it more in particular directly at you. How many machines does Giant have in their inventory? <laughs> now, not many. <laughs> they're they're uh, lead time. I mean, with what's going on today, uh, you know, supply chain sucks. Uh, okay, but as far as our what we, I usually try to stock some of our more popular models like the W5 that you've seen, the GB3, the GBB4, we were running stock to two weeks on a lot of those machines. Right now, unfortunately, I'm between four and six is realistic. Uh, what I'm telling people, place your orders now. Let me get you in the queue, okay? Uh, that's on those smaller machines. On the bigger stuff, okay, there are a lot of custom jobs. Guys, why don't you go over to the big GT39 or the FT140? I'm going to have them walk over through some of the bigger that these aren't, you don't sell these once a week or once a month, or if you're lucky on some of these bigger machines, it's once every few years on some of these. Um, for instance, you know, we're, we got a, the GT 39 that we have on the shop floor that's coming through is a 22 inch diameter by 180 inches long okay so that's that's a, a big machine okay now right behind it you see they're making one of our inlines which is another one of our bread and butters okay this is for high volume with short time cycles something say 15 minutes or less okay you put a part on one end and it goes the other end and there everyone thinks it's it's running there's a corkscrew there's nothing it's just the natural tumbling action of the machine okay and the, the flow okay this would be an automotive okay where we're talking hundreds of thousands of parts or something that, like i said short time cycles with high volume okay and you just it's like an assembly line for finishing okay something that doesn't die castings are popular stampings are popular for these type of machines okay um go ahead and go, go over to that 140 guys in the welding area They're going to show you how big, you know, people were asking how big we make equipment. Well, they're big enough where I could fit through it. Okay. These things, this uh, next one they're going to show you is the beginning stages. I got a 34 inch diameter tube by, I think this one's uh, 20 feet long. I don't know. I think we, it's frozen. You there? I see Jeff. Oh, you're talking to me? I thought I stopped another guy. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> All right. Are you guys by the welding area yet? Oh, you lost one. Okay. I'm sorry. They, guys, they lost Wi Fi signal on the iPad. That's, a, that's okay. I got, I've got a question for you here because we've been talking. Go right ahead. Uh, yeah. Jeff, Jeffrey Bell wants to know I heard a lot about how parts look. Can you speak to the function of a super finished surface? Can we speak? Yeah, smoother is faster and uh, less friction is going to uh, get you uh, longevity. It's going to be uh, easier for uh, uh, power. You know, a lot of the things that uh, we do and, and Jeffrey uh, knows that by uh, 
putting a better finish on your part is going to increase the life and the performance. Uh, matter of fact, we, we work together all the time. This is actually something I wanted to speak to. Um, with my engineering background, I'm, I'm always looking into the why is something better. And uh, the vibratory finishing process actually creates an, an isotropic surface finish, right? Which means it's non-directional. And in many situations, that's, I think, critical. Um, you know, we know that on a crankshaft, we have to be concerned about, you know, what direction we're grinding it with respect to rotation. Well, if you take that same crankshaft and put an isotropic finish on the journal, uh, you know, it, it, it doesn't care because it's a non-directional finish. And so um, I had mentioned earlier that there are times we put uh, parts through the vibratory after we've ground them for, you know, within spec on, on size, surface finish, cylindricity, whatever. But, um, you know, in the case of a, of a transmission planetary system where you've got um, uh, needle bearings riding on, on pinion shafts, uh, we want to make sure that nothing skews the motion of those needle bearings as they roll around the pinion shaft. And, and a, a directional finish could certainly do that. So putting a, a non-directional isotropic finish on that part certainly enhances it. Uh, it's going to make that needle bearing run better. It's going to make the needle bearing stay straighter through its path of travel. Um, so, you know, it, it's not all about the bling, uh, the bling is cool. That's what we can show off at the trade shows. But, but you know, there's some some sound engineering background behind what we're doing. And these finishes that you guys are talking about, um, does it also help with 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 heat? Does any of this right here have any kind of bearing on heat? The waste the way stuff as far as polished and everything, you know, that instead of an absorption, more of a reflection type deal, does that come into play? Absolutely. By a smoother surface, less friction, less heat. You know, if your engine's running cooler, it's better for you. Yeah, I agree exactly with what Mark said. You know, again, I'm, I'm speaking to, to gear trains because that's what I specialize in. But, um, you know, if two gears come into mesh and their surfaces aren't smooth, um, you know, and the high spots and the low spots are colliding with one another, um, then, you know, that, that energy of that collision has to go somewhere. It's going to go into heat. And it's also going to force those two parts to have to essentially wear themselves in together. Um, if, if you put those same two parts through the vibratory finishing where the, you know, the peaks can be somewhat pushed over into the valleys, um, then, you know, the break-in process is, is going to be reduced. There's going to be less metal uh, contamination during the break-in process mm -hmm. and, and less heat uh, generated overall. Well, I think, Rich has got another question. Is there an advantage of doing metal finish versus metal treatment, or do you still want to do both and, and why? That's gonna depend on the part. Uh, to be honest with you, there's a lot of, un, you get mixed re results. I mean, personally, I don't do it. I could just help make it better. We've got people that attest that they do one is good enough. Some people do the other or, or both uh, because it's written in the spec or it just gives them that warm, fuzzy feeling. Right. Uh, once again, try it. Okay. Let, let's see where we are. I mean, run tests. That's, that's the whole purpose of sending sample parts in for processing. And sometimes the processes are very easy to figure out. It's a very short, hey, you walk off home run. 
other times, hey, you know, well, we did this, but we screwed this up. Okay. Well, that's why we go back and forth a couple of times that it might take a couple of tries to get it right. You know, yeah, prime, prime example is when we prep parts, you know, to get anodized or, or uh -huh. I'll supply them a beautiful part and, I'll, and then I'll tell them, send it to your anodizer and see how the part comes back now. That's the test. So they, they, this way they uh, have a firsthand knowledge to see exactly what their part's going to look like prior to them issuing this a purchase order or buying anything. Yeah, I don't think that... Uh that the vibratory finishing or, or, you know, Mark's equipment is a, is a solution for absolutely everything. You know, there are still going to be situations when, you know, you're going to have to anodize a part. You might have to put plating on a part, you know, um, it, you, know you, you still have to heat treat parts. It's, it's just another piece of the puzzle, really. So, so uh, Jason, what makes your parts now by working with giant better than your competitors? Well, I touched on this at the beginning of the webinar. I, I think that, um, you know, when I'm supplying parts, whether it be parts directly to an end user or parts to my own assembly staff, you know, there's a high expectation of fit and finish. You know, you, you don't want to, um, you don't want to be dealing with sharp edges. Uh, you, you don't want to have uh, parts that won't fit together because there's a, a burr or sharp edge on, on a, you know, the leading edge of, of two mating parts. Uh, so that's why I say that, you know, the real reason that we came to Mark and Giant was for general deburring, okay, because that, that is huge in fit and finish. Um, and, and so we kind of have the, the joke around here, we wage a war on burrs with Mark's equipment. So, um, so I think that first, but, you know, I mean, I feel like our product is engineered very well. And uh, again, that uh, by bringing Mark's equipment on board, it was just another piece of the puzzle and making sure that we deliver top quality uh, components to our customers. Well, both of you guys, you know, kind of early part of the show, I think that maybe some of our, our, uh, our listeners also uh, would like to understand more about your companies too, especially Mark, you know, what, how long has Giant been in in, pro, in, in business now? Uh, this is our 32nd year in business. Uh, Giant, the history of Giant Finishing is a uh, family business. And my father started the company who is the epitome of the original American dream. He immigrated to this country from Poland with his parents, his brother and his sister, went to school, learned learned the language and worked three jobs all of his life okay he then uh graduated from the university of illinois champaign urbana with a degree in mechanical engineering and then went out into the world uh got a job uh working for some eyeglass company and they were picking up uh they picked up and decided to move everything to kansas and he didn't want to go out there okay you, you know watch corn grow so he went elsewhere. Uh, he ended up getting a job at one of our competitors uh, and he was there for a while and worked all the way up to vice president of engineering. Uh, and from there, he didn't like the way that you know, things were going. So he 
went off on his own. He decided to sell equipment, be a rep, and he still worked with them. He had good uh, uh, a relationship with them. But it wasn't until uh, you know working with their you know their methods that they made great equipment, but they're content. And he was trying to get a quote for a simple machine to one of his good customers. He lost an order because it took thirty days to get a quote. So he got pissed. He said, "Screw it! I'm going to build it myself." And that's when he went out and started giant finishing. And then as far as me, I've been doing this all my life. Okay. Uh, there's no school for vibratory finishing. There's a lot of trial and error. And I've failed many a times to just learn from your mistakes and see what goes on out there. Uh, but I'm trying to take giant to a whole nother level. Okay. We're, my father is still involved in the company. Okay. Very much so. Okay. We use them for special customers that I still allow him to talk to. Okay. <laughs> you know, he, well, it, it's a different method of doing business in, in 30 some years, you know, let's be honest, guy, I'm not, I have the luxury at this time of not having to go and bang on doors and, and look for, Hey, it's a stamping company. You know, people don't realize, I mean, the days of the past is, you know, knocking on the door, you have to walk into a place that's oblivious. They've been doing the same thing for 30 years, 50 years, however many years they're oblivious to, a problem that they that you need them or, or that they need you but you tell them you have a solution to a problem that they don't have that, or they were oblivious that they had and that solution to the problem is going to cost them anywhere between five thousand say fifty thousand dollars what yeah. are your chances of getting that sale versus nowadays people realize they have a problem they go online they google it they'll find us or and once they find us they contact us they realize we probably have a solution to their problem well that's most of it you know and, and like jason uh we, jason and i have been talking prior to him buying his first machine for several years i think it was five years or something like that after <laughs> five years at pri time after time yeah not yet not yet, not yet. he finally pulled the trigger one be, before pri started with like three machines then after PRI, he bought two more, <laughs> you know? So yeah. obviously we did something right and helped them out, you know? And, and that, that, that's, you know, we've been for several years now, we've had a great relationship. All right. While we're talking about giant, uh, you know, I got Chuck once again, asking where is giant located at? Now I know you want to tell how, how everybody out there right now, how to get hold of you and get questions answered and buy machines. Yeah, Giant is located in Addison, Illinois, which is a suburb of Chicago, just about 20 minutes southwest of O'Hare Airport. Okay, so we're not in the city of Chicago, so nobody gets scared. Um, a lot of times I'll tell people, hey, if you, you know, we'll get people from all over the country, actually all over the world. Okay, they'll find, I said, hey, you just get to Chicago. I said, I'll pick you up at the airport. We'll show you where we'll run sample parts in the lab. I'll take you for a Lou Malnati's deep dish pizza and send you on your way, you know, might be able to get in and out in one day. It might be a couple of days. If it's a longer process. Okay. So Jason, tell us a little bit about you know, Cohen engineering. You said, I mean, this is what I love about your guys' company. You've got your, your dad's involved. You mean you come from a, a family background and I think that's real important in today's world. So uh, what's, what's Cohen got going on and real quick uh, before I forget, Got another question from Rich, and he wants to know how long have you been applying? Uh, how, how long have you applied finishing 
own your parts and do you do it in-house? Yes. Um, we have Mark's equipment, obviously in-house, uh, as he mentioned, we've got five of his machines. So, um, all the processes that we've shown you, we, we do right here. Uh, we actually have had vibratory finishing in-house for a long time. We had a, a much smaller uh, machine that's comparable to Mark's wedge. Um, but we really never understood the process, um, the selection of media, the, the selection of the right burnishing compound until we met Mark and the guys at Giant. And I think that was, you know, kind of the marriage, if you will, that, um, that lended us to, to going with their equipment and, and buying so many machines is, is just the education that they, they taught us about how to better use the process. Um, so I hope that, that answers his question. But to tell, us, to tell you a little bit about uh, Cohen Engineering, our history is much similar to, to Mark's. Um, we've been at it a little bit longer. My, my father started the company uh, 45 years ago now, 1976. Um, he was a hot rod enthusiast, had been a drag racer, uh, grew up on the farm and knew that's not what he wanted to do. Although I take a little offense to Mark's comment that he didn't want to watch corn grow because we got corn planted all the way around our shop. So <laughs> we're, in a, we're in a little bit more rural area than, than Mark. Um, we're in Kokomo, Indiana. Uh, we've been here uh, all along. Uh, grew up here. Uh, met my wife here. We we'll raise our kids here. Um, I attended Purdue University. I have a bachelor's in mechanical engineering. So uh, much like Mark said, I've, I've, I've done this my whole life. I grew up in the business. Uh, knew I wanted to race with dad and, and um, you know, it's, it's, it's really a blessing to be able to enjoy your job. Um, sometimes, uh, you know, have your job as an extension of your hobby. Dad and I still continue to race. Uh, we have a competition eliminator car. We run an NHRA. Uh, don't have the time to race like we used to, but we've been, you know, reasonably, reasonably successful with that over the years. So it's neat to, you know, be able to test our product, uh, mingle with our customers in that manner. But uh, we've grown a lot over the years. We're in our third location here in Kokomo. We're 45,000 square feet now in our manufacturing facility. Uh, we typically employ in the, in the low 40s uh, number of people. Uh, and uh, that's kind of it. <laughs> hey, I want to make a comment on it. My father said he didn't want to watch the corn roll. I travel. Okay. I like it better out there. Okay, that's why I tested when people come to Chicago, don't get, I avoid this. Thing. I like it better out there. <laughs> I just give you a hard time. <laughs> well, guys, it's, it's always interesting. And I guess, I guess the thing is right now, uh, you know, Jason, uh, uh, I, I'm not supposed to be a salesman, but I, I just thought at least ask you got five machines. So what's the next one you're going to buy from, from giant? I mean, you know, is, is there, is there, another one on the horizon. Cause like Mark said, you know, you need to get in the queue. And I mean, I know you're, you know, you're like family, but at the same time, you gotta, you gotta get in line uh, to, to, to get one. So what, what are you looking at? What would be the next thing that would be a plus for your company? Well, in terms of the giant equipment, um, the thing that we have looked at most recently and talked with Mark about is the slurry blasting. Uh, and again, it's just something I haven't pulled the trigger on yet. And we, uh, you know, he mentioned that there's different, finishing processes and that, that uh, the vibratory one's not always the, the right one. That's why they got into blasting. So, you know, I've got blasting equipment in-house uh, as well. Just it's all currently dry blasting. I'm kind of intrigued by the, the slurry blasting and, and wondered on some of the um, transmission cases that where we utilize an OEM case and have to, you know, prep it, clean it, if, if the slurry blasting might not be a, a good option for us. So that's definitely something that I'm considering. Um, 
if I was going to add any more, I wish I could have one of Mark's tumblers at, at, at every machine, just so the parts could come right out of the machine and immediately be tumbled. But um, Buy a bigger probably build. not. <laughs> I was going to say I'm out of room. Uh, we're, we're, we're neat freaks around here. So we have all the, the, the media blasting and the tumbling and everything in a, in its own room that has its own, um, you know, air evacuation system and all that. And, and the room is completely filled <laughs> right now. So, but it is important. I don't know if, if the users could tell that and watching Mark's walkthrough, it's important to note that, you know, you're going to have to have a water source for these machines. Mm -hmm. Um, if you're going to run the, the burnishing compound, you probably want to get one of these mixing systems. So it's got to be hooked up to, to water. Uh, you're going to have water discharge that, that you have to, to deal with. If you run them very often, you know, it's close to have the thing uh, or convenient to have it somewhat close to a drain, have one of his settling tanks. Um, and let so. me touch on that. Not everybody has the luxury of having water line in a drain available, which is ideal so some people are forced to recycle, okay? Uh, I don't know if you guys can go off on the settling tanks. We've got settling tanks uh, that can help you recycle. Like that wedge series machine I, that I told you that bread and butter is only a 10 gallon tank. Well, there are options for going to an ST55 settling tank, which is basically another skid space, okay? And that could be used for tubs, for bowls, whatever. But then if for a bowl, if uh, floor space is an issue, we've got our wraparound settling tank, which hugs the base of the unit. Can we show the wraparound settling tank on the GPB4, guys? There we go. He's walking over there right now. Okay. This, you know, it's a little bit smaller, but in this, we did it at a trade show. Okay. I needed something for the trade show to recycle the water. Okay, ideally you'd settle out the solids and then go to drain. But as I mentioned, no, not everybody has that luxury. And as far as regarding recycling, think of it as taking a bath. Do you wanna be the fifth person in line for a bath with the same water, okay, as everybody else? Uh, same thing with your parts. Those parts done on Friday aren't gonna be as pristine clean as the ones that were done on Monday. You know, you're redepositing a lot of that stuff back on there. So ideally, you'd have that premixing compound system that Jason mentioned, the settling tank to, you know, uh, get your solids prior to going to drain. But uh, not everybody has that luxury, so they're forced to recycle. And then it just becomes a maintenance-type issue, okay? Uh, that's, that's really the main maintenance for these machines. Well, guys, we got about uh, three minutes left here in our, in our hour session. And uh, thank you, thank you for, for spending the time with us and, and sharing your ideas as far as what your beliefs are and, and making better products, your expertise with Giant Mark. And Jason, obviously, you know, we, you and I discussed yesterday, uh, you guys got a great thing going. And as you guys have made this partnership, you've improved your product. And I think, you know, at the same time, you both are learning from one another of what could be the next, you know, breakthrough as far as, you know, how do we finish apart? I, I love the fact that, you know, that, that Mark's willing to, uh, you know, throw caution to the wind and try something, you know, and to make it better. And, and Jason, with your engineering background, I, I think, again, you know, that's gives lends credibility to what parts you're able to make better 
for your customers and, and your overall product line. I mean, I think that's exactly what uh, Epartrate's all about, is trying to show the rest of the world uh, how you do it here in the United States, uh, whether you're in a cornfield uh, or whether you're uh, just outside the Chicago uh, city limits. So uh, the idea of, of working together and creating a team uh, is exactly what Epartrate's all about, Make it, making the overall racing industry one big team and one big happy family. Well, I sure appreciate the opportunity to join Thanks. you guys today. Uh, it's been uh, a pleasure. Registering on ePartrade is easy. Fill out your name, email, phone number, and create a secure password. Next, select your business type. Choose supplier if you're looking to display products or services and connect with buyers. Choose racing business if you're looking to find new parts and connect with suppliers. Choose race team if you own or are a member of a professional racing team. Begin typing your company name. We most likely already have your company in our database, which you can select from the drop-down. Then, enter your job title. Choose claim company if you'll be editing your company profile. Other members of your company can choose join company if they'd like to use ePartrade as well. You can view and agree to our terms of use here. If you'd like to receive our weekly newsletter, choose Accept. Click Register Now and your registration will be submitted for approval. You'll need to confirm your email once it goes through. To keep our platform industry only, you'll be approved shortly after. If we require additional proof of business, we'll reach out. Welcome to ePartrade.